Okay, you ready? You ready for this today? I hope so, because, you know, as I pray about, God, where are you leading us? What do you you want us to do? I know I've got kind of a three-series sermon series coming right here. First thing, though, I really, really feel passionate about this. I feel like God is bringing a harvest in. I feel like we're in the last days. Now, if you, like me, have grown up in church, it's been the last days my whole life. And I... I was talking with a friend of mine who we grew up in the same church, and he said, and I like this look, he said, but it's even more last now because we're, we, it's, if, if that was the last days, now it's even more last days. You know who else thought it was the last days? The disciples did. Jesus told them that. He told them to expect his return at any minute. And I do believe this, that God is going to be doing, is building a harvest now. And I don't know what that'll look like. I know when I was younger, I, if you would have asked me maybe in the 80s, you guys heard of the 80s? Okay, it was a long time ago, but how many remember the 80s? Are you with me? Okay, a few of us. All right, if you'd have asked me then what I thought it would be, I thought it would be like Billy Graham or some other big evangelist because thousands of people were coming to Christ like that. And then also in the 80s, I started noticing these churches that were just exploding. I know in Southern California, the Calvary Chapel churches just exploded and they're basically just teaching the gospel. They're preaching right through the Bible. And it wasn't super fancy. And then there have been other revivals where big outpourings of the Holy Spirit. You know how I look at this? I don't know how God's going to do it. And that's up to him. I just want to be part of it. And I want us and you prepared. You know what I think, though? I think he's going to do it more like what he did in the early church. You know how he did it back then? He did it with you doing the ministry. You telling people about Jesus. That's what he did. What he did was he, he passed on to people the responsibility to, to tell other people the good news. I said this last week or week before, week before, and I mean it. Part of me wonders and has always wondered, Jesus, why didn't you just stick around? I mean, he's God, right? He went through the whole thing. He died for our sins and then he rose again. He's got a resurrected body. Why did he have to leave? He said to give us the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's in us. And then we see at the day of Pentecost, when Peter is speaking and preaching that day, he said that the power, the Holy Spirit would give us power to witness. That's in Acts 1.8. Well, Peter didn't say that, but Jesus said that in Acts 1.8. That was his plan. Now, I've questioned him on that because I think he's a better preacher than me. I think he's better at sharing the gospel than you. He certainly lives it better than us, Right? Why? Why us? Why? I think there's a few reasons. And this is just my my conjecture. I think number one is, he wants us to believe it, know it, and live it out. It's it's way more real. How many of you have ever taught a class, taught anything at all? Anything? That's it? Really? Have you ever noticed how much more you know it when you teach it? What is that about? It's one thing to hear it. I hear it. I think I understand it. But then when I have to tell somebody, I remember in school, back even in high school, at, you know, maybe taking math or something, and somebody say, did you get that? And I'm like, yeah. And then I start to tell them, and I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> I thought I did. I thought I had it down. But then when I started to explain it, I realized, oh, I didn't really get it either. Raise my hand. Because I needed instruction to do that. I think that's a big part of it. He wants you to know the truth and you to be able to share the truth. Don't just leave it up to me or somebody else who you think knows it better or says it better. You need to know what it is. I think the other thing, the other powerful thing Jesus was doing is leveraging the power of exponential numbers. 
Because if I tell somebody about Jesus, well, let's, let me do it like this. If I were to just, let's just say we talked to the church today. There's 250 people in here, maybe 300 people. I don't know. And I, you guys are all saved. That's great. But then if you tell one person, how many is that? Let's just go with the 300 number so it's easier to do the math. Okay, how many is that? And then they tell somebody, how much is that? How many did we do it again? Do you see how this works? Did, did you know that people have done the math on this and extrapolated it out to the entire... You know, they're saying now that the population of the earth is now 8 billion. We've passed the sevens and now we're into eight. Do you know how long they say it would take to reach all 8 billion? If, if everybody just told one person... Do you know how many? 24 days. Are you kidding me? 24 days. The problem is we don't do that. But I want you equipped to do it. I want you equipped to do it. So there's things that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks so that you are equipped. And, and really, I feel like a big part of it, we're going, to, we're going to deal with some of the reasons people don't share their faith or talk about their faith. We're going to talk about this for a minute. So I had this conversation recently. It was about three or four months ago. And it was, it was somebody who I've known for a long time. And um, he shared with me that he's been struggling with the Bible. That's what he said. And right away, my mind is going in a million directions. Right? So whenever somebody says something, there's a really good question you should always ask. Probably the best number one question to ask. Anybody know what it is? What do you mean by that? Can we all say that together? What do you mean by that? Let's say it again. What do you mean? Now, how you say it really matters. Because I've known this guy a long time. We're friends. I could have said, what do you mean by that? Right? Where would the conversation have gone? Nowhere. I could have said, oh, really? What do you mean by that? That might have been a little too much. So all I said is, well, okay, that's interesting. What do you mean? Do you mean, do you mean... You're, you're struggling with what it says? Like, is it the translation, the Greek, or what, what is it? Or, or are you struggling with what it means, like you don't understand what it means? Or are you saying, I struggle with how it impacts my life. Like, I don't want to live the way it says to live. Or are you saying, you can't trust it anymore. Is it reliable? Is it, what, is it should I follow it? I mean, what are you actually saying? Now, I said all that with one question. I just said, well, what do you mean? And then he went into detail. But before he did, one of the things that um, I thought about a lot is because people do struggle with the Bible. It's this, our Mark Twain, um, one of the best examples of Missouri wisdom, he said, I'm going to say his quote, this is a quote, it ain't the parts of the Bible I can't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do understand. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Are there parts of the Bible you don't understand? Well, there's parts I don't understand. There's parts I don't know if we'll ever understand because, and it's not a lot, but there are some things that it's difficult to understand. But let me just tell you a very important main principle. The plain things are the main things. The plain things are the main things. What I want you to understand for this is God is not trying to trick us. He didn't give us a puzzle book. He gave us a book that, that reveals who he is, his heart, his being, his intention, his intentions for us. Now, there are things in the Bible, believe me, it's deep. And those of you who have been going through this entire Bible reading plan with us as a church, there are times where people write, you know, you have an opportunity to just share a thought you might have had. 
And I love reading those. And sometimes I do it first thing in the morning. So sometimes, well, every day I'll get emails that tell me all the rest of the thoughts people have had. And it's oftentimes where somebody sees something, I'm like, hmm, I didn't read it that way. Or I missed that. Or I didn't see that. And we learn. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the main things of Scripture are plain. It's not a secret. And he wasn't trying to fool you. It's not, you know, that whole thing. I keep mentioning the Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code and whatnot. That is, humans, we love that, don't we? We like to chase after little secrets and find little things. When my kids were little, one of the, one of the most fun things we would do is I would draw them a, a treasure map. And at each point in the map, there would be a new clue to the next place. And they love that. And I would spend all this time, I, I'm sure Nicole did it too, but we'd, we'd write out like a little note and then I would hide them and, and they would go find them and they were so excited. And, do, do you hear what I'm saying though? God has given us the main plain things. It's, he doesn't want it to be confusing and he doesn't want you to miss it. He's made it obvious, the main things. Let's just walk through a couple of those because what I did with my friend, I said, well, wait a minute, are you, are you saying you're confused about this? And he's like, no, 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 not that part. Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's very plain. There is no way around that. Now, I know it sounds exclusive, but if I could be honest with you, and maybe brutally honest, the truth usually is. The truth is usually exclusive. It's not meant to be, hey, if this or if this. Pastor Newby used to always say this. I loved it. He would say, um, uh, all religions lead to God, they just don't lead to heaven. Amen. That's harsh. You know what, though? Again, if we're being honest, every religion believes that. So don't, don't buy the lie of the little fish, or not the fish, but the, what is it that, that um, we, can't, we all get along bumper sticker? It's just not true. It's just not true, because every religion is exclusive. You know what else is exclusive? Secular view of life, and humanism, and the idea that there is no God, and none of that. That's also incredibly exclusive there every everybody has a belief system and a world system and truth is exclusive i'll be honest with you if I keep saying honest today i hope i'm always honest i don't know why i'm saying that i'll stop saying it if this building was on fire do you think i'd sit here and wonder or hesitate on how to tell you to get out would i tell you the worst way to get out or maybe get out no i'd want you to know and i Eternal destiny is way more important than any of those things. I got to tell you a goofy story. Do you have that picture of El Capitan? Can you put it on the screen? I don't know if you have that or not. But when I was in college, this friend of mine, he came to me like on a Thursday night and he said, um, he goes, hey, have you ever been to Yosemite? I'd never been there before. And I'm like, no, I've never been there. And he goes, let's go. I'm like, well, uh, just like go? And he goes, yeah, let's just go. I'm like, okay, what do we need? He goes, Nothing. Now, at that point in my life, I was running two miles a day just for, well, it was never fun. Don't get me wrong. I know some of people run for fun. I did not. I ran to just be with my friends and try to be in shape. I did not do that for fun. But we just grabbed some shorts, and uh, we didn't have much money. This is so embarrassing to just think about, but we just went there. So we get there, and we thought, hey, let's hike El Capitan. What we didn't even think about is if you've ever seen that mountain, it's like straight up. And it's uh, the, the rise from the valley floor. Like the valley floor already starts at like 5,000 feet. And it goes up, I think, to 9,000 at the top of that thing. So we, we parked our car. We had to walk to the trailhead. So we're, we're walking on the trail. Nobody was on it. That should have given us a clue. First of all, nobody was on this trail. 
And we're walking and walking and walking. And it was like two hours in and we didn't... Okay, I, I've changed a little bit since then. We didn't have any water. We didn't have any food. We were just walking. We didn't even know how long it would take. And we'd seen the sign that said something like 19 miles, but we thought, well, surely it can't be that. Why wouldn't you believe the sign, right? So we're walking on this sign and we get to this point. I was talking, my friend Steve, I was talking to him about this a couple years ago. Just, we were both just laughing at how goofy we were. We get to this sign and there was this sign there and it said El Capitan and then this one said Valley Floor. Now at this point, we've been walking for hours. The problem was the sign had been turned and the arrows didn't correspond to either of the paths. And we're trying to figure out, okay, now does it go like this? Because it could go like this and it could go like, and enough people had done what we did. So it was grooved where the screws had put the sign on. There was this big, thick wooden, where do you go? And we're like, okay, we're way into this thing. Like if we, if it, if it's another this many miles up to the top, we're, I don't know if we got that in us and then we got to come back and we didn't have anything with us. And we're like, well, this is, so we're like, well, what do we do? It matters guys. Truth matters. Truth matters. Here's what we did. We, we thought we were going the right way because it seemed right. And in the end, we didn't, we didn't hike El Capitan. <laughs> we literally hiked around the bottom of it. All the way around, and we ended up in a different part of the valley floor. And we just get down, and we're so exhausted and hungry and tired, and, and we're, we're drinking out of the streams, which they tell you not to do, but okay, we did. And then we're like, now we got to go all the way back to our car. And that was another five miles. And we're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. We tried to hitchhike, and no one would pick us up because we looked horrible. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Signs matter. Truth matters. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's very exclusive. He's the way, the truth, and the life. What we celebrated today with communion is a memory and shows and illustrates why he is and how he is. He is the way. I think about that, you know, and I... My heart goes out to people who are like, but, but, but these other people are so sincere. Yes, and you can be sincerely wrong and still wrong. I remember years ago, I heard a preacher, and I remember when he said it, I, just, I was kind of set back in my chair. He was talking about how so many people are so good. They're good people. Here's what he said. It's sad to think they're going to hell for nothing. Because they don't know Jesus. I remember sitting there and thinking, that's a heartbreak. Literally a heartbreak. The main things are the plain things. Here's another main plain thing. God made us for relationship with him. And he made us for a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. One of the things that worldviews all do is kind of tell us why we're here. Why am I here? Who, where did I come from? Why do I even exist? How is it that I'm here and, and not, not here? Why, why was I born into this family? Why was I adopted? Why, why was I born the way I am? Why, why did God make me with these gifts and talents? And we talked about it two weeks ago, the fact that every one of us are unique in that. He has a purpose for that. 
Psalm 139 is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. It is so deep. It talks in the first part of the chapter, it talks about how everywhere I go, God is there. I remember the first time I read that, though, I felt like he was following me. And I felt like I wanted to hide. And what the scripture talks about is it's not like that, though. If you have a relationship with him, you want to be found by him. And you want that assurance that he's with us at every moment. In the depths, in the dark, at the heights, at the lows. There's nowhere you can go where you're not in his presence. Part of why the psalmist wrote that is because they lived in a community, in a world, where they thought that there were gods for all those things. Gods in the dark, gods in the sun, gods in the light, gods in the trees, gods on the mountains, gods in the valley. And he's saying, no, our God is all those places, everywhere. That's assurance and reassuring if you have a relationship with him. Then he goes on in verse 13 and he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Ever since that Roe v. Wade was overturned, I've I've seen so many pictures of babies being formed in the womb. It reminded me when I studied that in depth as a science major and watched the human development and how that happens so soon and, and how just in a couple weeks you have a fully, not fully, but almost fully formed baby. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing to think that when you were that baby, he knew you. You ever think about that? No matter the circumstances of your birth, he knew you. He knew you right then and there. He knew you. The psalmist says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The human body is a wonder. It's a wonder. It's a wonder how it works. Just our eyes alone and how they're able to focus so fast and so differently. All the time, you don't even think about it. It just happens, 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 happens. We can't duplicate it with any cameras, without any amount of money and engineering. It's just not, there's no way. Even the way an ankle works, so many bones, so many bones articulating together and how they work. You know, when you spring it and you're thinking, what in the world? It hurts so bad. Well, it's because it's so precise. The blood vessels, the thousands of miles of blood vessels in your body. Now you take a breath, I just thought of when I breathed in there, and the oxygen goes through your lungs and oxygenates that blood and it shoots down to the fingertips and then shoots back all in a minute or second. It's amazing. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you get that? You are so precious to him that he knew you before you were born. Maybe you are here in this life and you just don't feel like your life has meaning or purpose. And here today you're hearing the word of God that says, no, it does. It always has. He knew you before you were born. You may wonder Maybe people don't recognize it or other people don't respect it or maybe you feel disrespect or maybe things that, horrible things have happened to you. Yet God is saying you matter. He puts his, his mark in us, an identity in us and we have that image of God in every single person that makes us completely worthwhile and valuable. There's intrinsic worth no matter who you are. One of my former students reached out to me yesterday on Instagram, something I'd posted triggered her and she just, in a good way. <laughs> we had a conversation about that and purpose in life. 
How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Me, me. He thinks about me. He thinks about you. God, God who's, who's dealing with an entire universe and a race of people who are mostly not following him and chaos everywhere. And he thinks about you. You're on his mind. There's never a moment that you walk through this day that he's not thinking of you. You. What's cool about it is while he's thinking of Roger, he can still think about me. Right? He knows what you're walking through. When things don't go right, he knows. He knows. He knows. The thoughts cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You know what else is main and plain? God cares about how we live. He cares about how you live. He cares about the choices you make. Jesus, when he was asked what was the greatest commandment, he answered, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Main and plain. Love God, love others. How you love others illustrates how you love God. It's, it's, it's main, it's plain, it's obvious. You commit to him and you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then you love others as yourself. It's also incredibly revolutionary. St. Augustine from the 4th century, he was, he was a, an African, and he said, love God and then do whatever you want. First time I heard that quote, I said, whoa, hold up, hold up. You mean it gives me license to do whatever I want? Yeah. As long as you love God. His fuller quote actually goes like this. Love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. The one whose soul is trained to love God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. You know what else is main and plain? God perfects our faith. He doesn't save you and then say, okay, good luck, see ya. He doesn't do that. He doesn't throw you in the water and say, sink or swim. He doesn't do that. He loves us as we are and accepts us as we are, but then he doesn't leave us as we are because he loves us too much for that. He cares too much about us to leave us in a life of sin or sin in our lives that will destroy us, and he knows it. It would be as if he saw cancer on you and then didn't care enough to take it off, or he saw something that was corrupting your life and didn't care enough to restrict that. He wants that for you. He wants the best for you to protect you and provide for you. And because of that, he says, no, these things need to change. And Hebrews says it like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin so that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He does the work in us. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives 
in your struggle against sin. We strip off the weight, the sin that slows us down. That means you have to look deep inside and say, God, what is it? What is it I'm compromising in? Are there things that I need to take away, things I need to remove? And then what he does is he helps us walk through that. Paul, in his letter to the Philippian church, he said, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Did he say to work for your salvation? No. He said, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Because you are saved, you're going to love God and do whatever you want. It's just that what you want to do will be good. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives you the power to do what pleases him. He does that. What it is, is we come to him and we say, God, I am working at this and I'm trying. And he says, then let me help you do that. And he helps you clean. (laughs) With Jesus, our life starts now and it lasts forever, forever and ever. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life said that eternal life in John 14 he said don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God and trust also in me there's more than enough room in my father's house if there were not so would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am it's amazing could I have our musician up, up here today Some of you might have noticed Dalton's joined us on the keyboard. He's been coming to the church for a while, good friends with with, uh, Nick Rowland, so we're glad that he's here. How many have also noticed the steel guitar? That was uh, Kristen's dad. That's Cal Dennison. He's up for visiting family, so. Guess what, though? My friend, those weren't his issues. He knew all those things. It wasn't that he didn't know them. It wasn't that he didn't know that they were plain things. He just didn't like them. I was a little bit surprised to find that out because he'd been a Christian a long time. He didn't like them. As we're talking, I I said, but you you know that 2 Timothy, Paul said that we got to remain faithful to the things that we've been taught because you know they're true. You know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've been given to you as wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us and equip his people to do every good work. Everybody has a source of authority. Right? We realize that, right? In our world today, increasingly, it's ourselves. People feel like it's them that decide what's right and wrong. For a lot of people, it's their emotions or feelings. Follow your heart. Or society or culture, which changes. Used to change like every 20, 50 years. Now it's changing every 
30 seconds, it seems like. For some people, it's science is their authority, they think, and, or pop psychology, or maybe a certain author, or a Christian singer, or an actor, a musician, somebody. Maybe the group you're part of, or spouse, or parent, or politics. Or... Years ago, uh, this teacher in our church in Lakewood in California, she used to have me come in and teach her classes. She taught sociology. She'd have me. This sounds like a bad joke, but me, a rabbi, and a priest would come into the class. And the students would ask us questions about our religions. And uh, they would always ask this one question. And I realized she was telling them to ask this eventually, but she would ask, they would always ask, if, if your church started to teach something you didn't believe, what would you do? And... Uh, the priest would say, well, the church decides. That's, they decide the truth. The rabbi would say, that would never happen. And I would just tell him, well, I follow scripture itself, scripture. It's interesting because they, I don't know that any of our answers satisfied that itch in their heart and mind. And when I was talking with my friend, I was so broken because for him, Scripture was no longer the guide. And I said, well, what if, okay, if, if it's not Scripture now and you know all those things, he goes, well, I kind of like these two things that you said were main and plain, but I don't like these. I'm like, so are you now the judge? I mean, we, we've been friends a long time, so you, you, know, you can talk to friends different than... But eventually he goes, yeah, I guess I am. And I ask him this question that just... I'm like, well, dude, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? You know what? It, it's always a heart issue, isn't it? It's always a heart issue. Always a heart issue. The bottom line is, do you trust God to be true and, and, and what he says to be real? And if it is, then where's your heart? And I think in this case, the problem wasn't with the Bible. The problem with his heart. So I want to ask you a really deep question this morning. And I'm going to ask everybody to shut your eyes for just a second to ask this. I have you shut your eyes just because it helps kind of create a sense of privacy in a room full of people. If you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to even close your eyes at home. I'm going to ask you this question, and I mean it f- deeply. How is your heart? How is your heart? Is it hard? Is it maybe that maybe things have happened and you're hurt or maybe you've, you've, you've seen some things that you just don't like and, and it's hardened your heart a little bit so that when you see or read things that maybe go against what you think or want or like, that maybe, maybe it's hard for you to accept it because you're just like, ah, I don't know. How is your heart today? Is it wounded? Maybe, maybe somebody said something to you that hurt your feelings or hurt you in a way that that make you lump everything together and say, well, this Christian did this, so I'm going to reject the, the Bible or church or Christ. Or Is your heart guarded? Maybe, maybe there have been some things that have happened and you're just, you're just a little bit skeptical and hurt right now. And you're just... Or is your heart open? Is it tender? Is it at a place where you could hear something that maybe you step back and say, God... Are you seeking? Is your heart open to him today? 
Are you willing to be corrected by him today? That same 139, Psalm 139 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. With your eyes closed, I have really two basic questions. Number one is, maybe you haven't opened your heart to Jesus, but you want to do that today. You have not done that, but you do want to do that today. Today's that day. Anybody here like that? You would just raise your hand and we could pray with you. Anybody at all? If you're listening online and you want to follow Jesus, you want to open your heart to him, just let us know in the chat and we'll have somebody pray with you and work with you there. Let me ask a question for the rest of us here. Have there been areas in your heart where maybe you've closed it off to him, but you realize that you need to open it to him because he loves you and cares about you and he wants to guide you in this life? Anybody at all like that? You just need your heart to open more. Anybody at all? Appreciate that honesty. Thank you for that. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. We want to pray with you if there's any need you might have at all, any need for prayer in any way. If you're part of the leadership at the church and their spouses or you're on the prayer team, if you would come forward real quick. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer for anything, prayer for healing, if you need prayer for gifts of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you need prayer for maybe a situation in your life, you don't have to disclose something that's personal. You can just tell them, I need prayer, and they will pray. But these people are coming here to pray with you because they care about you. So if you're here today and you need prayer for any of those things, I invite you to come down. Take take advantage of the opportunity to be prayed for. It's a special time. As, As we're doing that, I want to pray for all of us as a church. So go ahead and come. If you need prayer for anything, go ahead and come right now, and then we will pray with you. But I just want to pray for us as a church. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for us that our hearts would be open to you in a new and tender way. God, I pray for those who have been hurt by people or things or just the rough world that we live in today where our heart has become calloused and hard. And I pray for whatever reason that has happened that you would soften that and open our heart to you in a new way. God, I pray that as we spend time in your word, that you would speak to us about things that maybe we have ignored before or shut out before, but that you would speak to us and we'd be open to hearing what you have to say. God, just like with the psalmist, we say, search us today. Know our hearts, know our anxious thoughts and our worries. See if there is any offensive way in us, Lord God. Make that clear to us and we want to turn that over to you and we want you to reach into those places and heal them this morning. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with whatever. If it's some kind of a, a sin or a habit that we know is not healthy. God, we pray that you would help us to lay that aside so that we could run the race to win. Father, we pray for those who maybe have uh, family members as we approach Thanksgiving and we have family members who need to know you as Savior. Maybe there's conflict in a family that needs resolved. We ask God in Jesus' name that you would heal hearts, that you would melt hearts. And in situations where it seems impossible that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. 
Father, we pray for those who are struggling financially. We think about that at the holidays and Thanksgiving, that there may be some who are needing finances supplied, and we ask, God, that you would supply. God, finally, we just pray for those of our loved ones who need to know you so desperately. And we ask, God, as we speak to them, that you would give us the words, you would give us the opportunities. God, we pray that you would set up even divine appointments with with people maybe we have never, ever met, that you would speak to them and speak to us, and then you would give us the answers as we share your word with them. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Here's my challenge to you as you head into the rest of this week, and a lot of you are also going into the holidays. Please represent Christ in all those ways, in all those opportunities. Make sure you keep the main things, the plain things. God bless you today. Amen.